episode of the South Mims U podcast is from our business school and we're talking about the future of the office and office space in general. We are very lucky to have Bob Chester here with us to talk about it. He has written the critically acclaimed and very successful seminal book Our Office, Our Garden of Caring in which his view of the future of the workplace is outlined. Hi Bob. Hi. So I suppose the first question is what is the workplace? And the obvious answer is where we work. And now, with the advent of the internet, that can be anywhere. An office, a car, a bed. You want to bring beds into offices? No, the exact opposite. Employees can take their work with them into their bed and maybe even into their dreams. It's all very exciting. After all, your work says who you are. It's your identity. A caring employer will know this. And caring is the future. (laughs) I often have some of my best ideas when I'm asleep. (laughs) But that's not why we're here today. It's your fascinating ideas about offices which are under discussion today. Thank you, it is. Now... For the benefit of our younger listeners, we need to go back a couple of decades. More like three. Is it really? God, time flies in the exciting world of commerce. Three decades. In the average workplace, that meant no open plan offices. It's a shock, isn't it? Yeah. People would be herded into individual offices with maybe only four or five people in them, each confined, chained to their own desk. Some offices might have only two people in them. It would be like a prison cell, and each would be confined to one desk. One desk. Hard to imagine. No hot desking. Now, that really is stretch. No, 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 no. It's absolutely true. Each employee would have their own desk, and that would be it. If you didn't like it, you'd be stuck with it. That would not apply to the CEO, though. Oh, it would. Yeah, it would apply to all grades. One desk. I mean, he and in those days it would be a he, would be able to change the desk if he wanted. Oh, yes, there'd be a choice for him. Rosewood, mahogany, even oak, maybe. All endangered woods, of course, we know better now. Imagine! It's all sustainable pine now, though, isn't it? Oh, we've, uh, we've even moved on from that, and now we use a kind of pressed laminate. Much cheaper, and it's disposable. But sustainable? We're working on that. So, yes, mm. these offices, like so many prisons, would have their slaves chained to them, and they were so miserable that they would often put pictures of their families on them to cheer themselves up. Fancy. Or even places they'd been on holiday to escape, Spain and so on. Well, that's gone with hot desking. Exactly. Everyone's so much happier now. There was no need for all that. And there would have been another big difference. Can you guess the first thing you would notice if you went back in time to one of these warrens? Go on. The racket, the noise. This was before the internet. Nowadays, if someone is sitting over there, for example... And you need, to, you need to tell him something, you can send him an email. Back then, you would have to get up out of your chair, actually walk over and speak to him. Then you would have to come back again and sit down again. What a pain. Yeah, but people were thinner, though, weren't they, in those days? Well, well, well that was the stress. Everyone is so much more contented now, mostly due to open-plan offices. And, of course, they can send out for pizza when it's lunchtime. Though most people find it more convenient to work through lunch these days. Can you believe? Before you could send out, they would have some poor little old lady come round with a tea trolley. You are joking. They really did. (gasps) The poor old things would go around from office to office, 
actually pushing a trolley on wheels. Wheels? Yes, really. Doling out tea and biscuits too, I shouldn't wonder. And I think the tea might even have been free. It shows how desperate they were. Stranger and stranger. Free tea to cheer them up. They were so miserable. It was not a sound economic model. So many places went bust. Anyway, these poor old tea ladies, as they were called, trudged from office to office. I mean, talk about exploitation. Some of them were there so long, the workers even knew their names and even their family histories. So intrusive. That was before the Data Act, obviously. It was almost criminal. So, under you, they had to go. They were the first to go. So, we had all these poor workers cooped up in offices... And along you came and said... Time for change! Let's have a big room with loads of workstations and we can all pitch in together. Almost a summer camp. Or almost sounds like a kind of socialism. No, 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 please, no. Nothing like that. One of the disadvantages of the old office system was that the employees could not be properly supervised. The open plan does away with all that, so there's a strict hierarchy among equals. Now, some of your critics have said, and I will read this so I can get it right... This was a naked and desperate attempt to save money by a management increasingly bereft of ideas. It was ever thus. What do you mean? If you have an original and game-changing idea, people will carp, find fault. If it was so wrong, why did everyone else copy it? True. If it's so bad, if you look at the average church, it's exactly like an open-plan office... Everyone sits together, more or less hot-desking. That's a bit of a stretch. OK. A park. Benches in a park. They are basically hot-desks. Think laterally. But I have to do that every day. Think laterally. Next time you buy a sandwich, ask yourself, why is the butter on the inside? Uh Your mouth doesn't know which side the butter's on, so why not put it outside? I have to think like that all the time. Really? I'm doing it now, really. I was doing it a second ago. I've stopped now. I can't do it all the time. OK. Some people complain that finding an empty hot desk can be difficult and time-wasting. I completely repudiate that. It's been shown time and again that having workers actively seek a place to work, very like an extension of a primitive place of refuge, such as a cave harks back to our ancestral prehistoric existence and it's very good for the creative growth of the brain as well as being deeply spiritually reassuring. Really? Really. Now, there is also evidence that some companies are so bankrupt of ideas and desperate to save money that they have fewer hot desks than employees and sometimes people can't find a desk at all and have to work in the car park. So... Is that a good idea? Clearly not. The system only works if the number of hot desks and employees tally up. I've drawn a graph about this. It's not the system at fault at all, but the people who use it. So you have your open plan offices which work brilliantly and are much copied. So where do we go from here? Well, I call it the greenhouse effect. 
Call it what? Where the office is going next. Go on. I was in Thailand the other day on a, on a, a fact-finding trip, and I discovered bamboo. Uh, Kew Gardens discovered that in 1642 or something like that. Do you know how fast it grows? Not off the top of my head. It's fast. I was thinking, why doesn't personal development grow that fast? Was that a butter outside the sandwich moment? Perhaps. I was struck by the sun and the glass. Glass? Well, they fast grow bamboo under glass. Do they? Well, they might do. They should do. The sight of the bamboo galvanised me. The point is, I want people to grow economically and spiritually under glass, like bamboo. My fact-finding proves that it works. Hmm. So you're saying that people can grow like plants? In the right environment, yes. Did you know that about 60% of our genes are the same as bananas? That, that much? Something like that. So it has to follow that at least half of the human brain will benefit from being housed in greenhouse conditions. Won't it get a bit hot? Only in summer. And we can use air conditioning. So let's get this right. You want to turn open plan offices into giant greenhouses? Almost. That, that, that's the guiding concept. We lose the open plan bit or we modify it. Why so? If you look at fast-growing bamboo, you can see that it flourishes by being in one place. If you dug it up and moved it all the time, I think the speed of growth would be impaired. By the same token, each worker would need to be assigned to one desk to be in receipt of amounts of evenly distributed light. But, Bob, doesn't that contradict your previous theories? No, 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 no. It's an extension of those theories, very different. Furthermore, each worker would need to be surrounded by a transparent wall to create the effect of a greenhouse, or maybe you could put them in pairs. Would that be glass? That's far too expensive and heavy. I was thinking of some kind of light perspex. So, the effect would be a large room filled with perspex, enclosed workstations and individual desks with a large light. Sun-like. A large sun-like light source above them. Have you ever been to a battery chicken farm? No. Well, the layout, I'm not saying the actual... Dynamic, Surely not. Would be the same. Or maybe one of those tunnels where they grow strawberries. Lots of strong, white, nourishing light across neat individual rows of workers. So, in a way, you would be going back to individual offices. No, 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 no. Not at all. I must stress that this is an extension of open plan, not a reversal. It's very different. And would it be expensive to install? I've taken out a patent on the perspex that would create the desired effect, and I can keep an eye on that. My associates would install it personally. Other types of wall would simply not work. Hmm, well, a cynic might say that you have made millions converting office spaces to open plan, and then many more millions converting them back again. Well, I think I have explained all that. Quite frankly, cynicism is something we can all do without in the modern workplace. The perspex I use is much cheaper than building walls. And it's not substantial. It doesn't need to be. And even if all that were true, which it obviously isn't, the workplace will benefit from the spiritual and motivational growth of the workers in the greenhouse conditions. And uh, the investment pay for itself several times over. So how long would it take an employer to reap the benefits? Mm, 
five years or so, maybe a bit more. Hard to say. Um, but most people work on zero hours contract and don't stay in a, lo- a job that long. Again, that is not an issue my theories are addressing, though it could possibly be adapted if the light intensity was increased. I promise you, this is the way forward. It's all in the book. Now, suppose a CEO of a company were to move into an older building and found it was made up of offices that dated back to before the open plan revolution, surely he would just leave the offices as they are. There'd be no need to adapt them. In that way, they would save a lot of money that could be used on wages, for example, or they could hire more people. No, no, absolutely not. Why not? These would be traditional walls, probably made out of um, brick plaster or so on, maybe full of asbestos, health and safety. But they may not be. Would you take the risk? Also, the whole culture of traditional architecture tends to promote, well, traditional ways of thinking that are now outmoded. Nine to five, lunch and vouchers, one job for life, entire actual hours for lunch, all that kind of thing. And is there any actual evidence for that? Not as such yet. We're working on it. So you're saying that people should tear down their traditional walls and replace them with perspex ones? Our perspex ones, yes, with the benefits outlined just now. Now, you said another benefit of open plan was that the workers could be observed. You know, an eye could be kept on them. Who knows what they could get up to in in individual offices? Obviously, that is no longer an issue. Because the perspex is see-through? It doesn't need to be, even though it is a little, to help to distribute even flow of light. No, no, there is CCTV everywhere nowadays. There'll be a camera in every office. I mean, that's been the way for years. There's one here, isn't there? I don't know. Can we move on to windows? Excellent. Um, Now, the older folk among our students may remember windows that you could open. Actually open, yes. Am I right in thinking that you had a lot to do with regulating them to the dustbin of history? How well you put it. I might use that in my next book. (laughs) Go ahead. So why did you do it? Well, safety mostly. Were people jumping out of them? It was not unknown. Let's face it, an open window is an accident waiting to happen. And in Eastern Europe, under... Certain regimes, defenestration was still occasionally happening among the ranks of senior oligarchs. We thought we could learn from that. But surely there was no defenestration in Western boardrooms? Well, not as such, but as office environment planners, we had to foresee every eventuality. An open window is what you could call a wild card. Could you elaborate? It's a space which could be open or it could be closed at irregular, unpredictable intervals. Things unspecified can pass through them in either direction. We have no control over what these things may be and what may happen when they do pass through. And they are also a distraction. So you are worried that workers might idle the day away opening and shutting windows? As planners, we have to be open to all eventualities. For a safe environment, it is important that all elements are kept as regulated and controlled as possible. It's it's our garden of caring. We care about every detail. So your solution is the windows... That don't open. Very simple. And you will see that the idea, like all good ones, has really caught on. Offices, schools, hotels, it's everywhere. I suppose the obvious objection to it is 
What about fresh air? What about it? Isn't it supposed to be good for you? Let me stop you right there. I have no idea where that idea originated. Think of all the material that's in so-called fresh air. If you go outside and breathe in, what are you actually taking deep into your body? Smoke, fumes, the emissions from cows, which we now know contributes to global warming. Radiation from Chernobyl. What? Say that again. You think I'm scaremongering? Not so. Although the Chernobyl incident happened years ago... In Russia. In Russia, yes. But all that radioactive material, it doesn't just go away. It was in the Soviet Union. Have you heard of wind? The point is that all that poisonous material, however diluted, is in your precious fresh air. It's the same principle as homeopathy, but in reverse. Even a tiny amount of radiation is not going to do you any good. Not to mention carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen, we breathe out carbon dioxide, which is a poison. That's all natural. But think about it. This fresh air, which we think is so wonderful, is actually made up of second-hand breath. Mostly carbon dioxide. Doesn't sound so great now, does it? The fact is, this worship of fresh air thing is relatively new. I've researched it in Victorian, Georgian, something like that. In those times, they thought it was bad for you. Are you sure? Fairly sure. It doesn't matter. We now have the facts, so we have closed windows. But under your greenhouse-like conditions, doesn't everyone boil? Remember the air conditioning. Come on, come on, come on, keep up. Also, there's the aesthetic side. People work better in well-designed environments. They become living art. Do they? Without a doubt. When you see architects' drawings and models, they always include little people in them, don't they? Little model people and so on. That's because the little people are part of the concepts. They're part of the art, if you like. Do you think they realise? It doesn't matter if they do or if they don't. And even if they don't, I'm sure it affects them on a subconscious level. It's all about spiritual growth in the workplace, remember? Now... If some of my windows were opened and some were not, it would affect the design, as seen from the outside. The windows are supposed to be shut to give the building a certain look, which is, of course, what the client pays for. And now we move on to what you are most famous for, or should I say notorious... I think famous would be the more accurate word, though modesty forbid. <laughs> you are one of the chief movers for the... Paperless office. The paperless office, yes, a main mover. <clears throat> you don't like paper, do you? If you think about it, some of the worst things humanity is capable of has happened on paper. The formula for the atomic bomb was written on paper. Declarations of war, Fifty Shades of Grey, the list is endless. But we have relied on paper for thousands of years. There are good things about paper, surely. Religious tracts, poetry... Love letters. We can argue about it endlessly. There are pros and there are cons. But there is another, there's another reason for it. I find it difficult to talk about. Well, we don't have to. Now, I want to lead by example. Spiritual growth through the office is the core of what I do. I want to share. You can always edit it out if you think it inappropriate. OK. Please share. It goes back to my very origins, to when I was a, a baby, a little person, hardly formed. It was during the vital and character-forming potty training period, a very difficult time for me. The potty itself was never a problem. I was a natural there, gifted almost. I think you could see 
you could see that in my, my later growth as an artist and conceptualist. The problem was the paper. Go on. That's as, that's as far as I'm prepared to go. Let, let's just say there were issues. Issues with the tissues, my parents called it. And those issues scarred me that very important time, and the, the legacy of the scarring was a deep and long-lasting loathing of paper of any kind. Wow. And this darkness of the soul eventually manifested itself in the concept of the paperless office. Yes. That and other things. But, but our aim is to eliminate all paper from the workplace by 2025. OK. Um... And I'd like to give you the chance to refute utterly accusations that you have been incentivised by large computer companies to push the concept of the paperless office. I do refute it utterly. It is a completely aesthetic and environmental decision. And how's it going? It's going very well. In a traditional office, you would see piles of paper all over the place. Much, much, much less now. So it just doesn't look nice. And it's wasteful. It's very bad for the environment, too. Now, I read somewhere that half an hour of air conditioning has the same carbon footprint as the paper in an average office. Well, we're talking about paper now, not air conditioning. You can easily have one without the other. And it would work both ways as well. Yes, I'm just saying... Now, in my background reading, I came across your paper sound laser. Uh, that, yes. Now, I see that as a kind of sidestep in my spiritual development. I've grown away from it now. This was a device installed in the ceiling of any given office which could detect paper, issue a warning, and if the offending paper had not been removed in five minutes, a laser-like device comprised of compressed sound waves would fire at the offending paper and destroy it. That was more or less it, yes. It never really got beyond the prototype stage. There were health and safety issues. It was a sound idea, but the technology was not up to the job. Were there any casualties? Not as such. Have you come up with anything else? <clears throat> uh, well, simple old-fashioned signage. Written on paper? Very good. Fun out, yes. Eliminating stationary cupboards and... Even better, and I give myself a pat on the back for this, eliminating waste paper bins. If you have to bring paper in, you have to take it out again, thereby saving acres of rainforest and other forests too. Any forests where there are trees. So everyone uses laptops and phones to make notes? Exactly. Which run on electricity, which has a carbon footprint or batteries which are environmentally poisonous. Marginally. Our associates and ourselves are working on all these issues. It's a small price to pay for an aesthetically clean and pleasing office landscape which is good for the spiritual growth of the soul. Don't forget, the office is the soul's natural garden. Fascinating. And that is where we must leave it. Thank you so much for coming. Our office our Garden of Caring by Bob Chester is available in all good bookshops. Price £40. <laughs>